Good morning, Lebanon Christian Church. Uh, you're watching this video on Sunday, August the 23rd. Um, I am obviously not with you. Uh, we announced last Sunday, and I shared in a video on Thursday that I'm away with my family uh, on sabbatical as you watch this. And even as I look out to being gone, knowing that you'll be watching this, I just want you to know we love you. Um, we're going to be gone for five weeks. Uh, it's something that's been planned since before I even came to Lebanon. Uh, we have intervals planned for specific periods of rest to keep me healthy, to keep our family healthy. And so uh, that's what I'm doing. And that's why you're not going to see me. Uh, but I know that over the next several weeks, throughout the week and on the weekends, you're going to be blessed as you worship as you sing, as you pray, as you celebrate the Lord's Supper, as you give, as you hear preaching from uh, some of our other staff members. Uh, please know uh, we love you and we can't wait to see you. And even though we're not worshiping with you in person, uh, we're still going to be worshiping our God. Take care and we'll see you soon. Thank you, Craig. I'll tell you, one of the things um, that made me so excited to come here was that our uh, leadership values the rest and the rejuvenation of our, of our leaders means a lot, and I, uh, Craig's a dear friend of mine, so I'm really, really excited to see him get away and um, to rest, to relax. We all need periods of rest, um, but in the meantime, I want to say something uh, just up front that I actually think we all will agree with. I know that's dangerous to say sometimes in our, in our culture, but I think we all will agree with this statement. There is a difference between active and passive. Just by sheer definition, there's a big difference, right? That's no news to you. But there's another statement, and I think we all still would agree with this. Um, there is, uh, most of us would say that it's better to be active than it is to be passive. Wouldn't you agree? Let's take exercise. Let's just talk about exercise for a really quick moment. It's called activity for a reason, not passivity, Right? If you want to exercise, you've got to be active. And if you don't want to exercise, you can be passive with it. Your job, let's talk about our jobs. If you want to chase an ambition with your job, or you want to start a business, or you want to get promoted, you've got to be active. You've got to actually want it. You can't be passive because it probably won't just happen to you. Let's talk dating. Oh, man, let's talk dating. If you want to get the date, you've got to be active. To, don't cross the fine line into creepy, but you've got to be active in order to get the date because if you're passive, you're always going to wonder what would have been. Active people are proactive and passive people are reactive. For me, it was dating. Let me just tell you. I, I had some people tell me, uh, bosses even, when I first entered ministry that because I left college going into ministry without a spouse, that I was going to be single forever. Truly, I could have cared less. Like, I wasn't defined by that. I'm like, I'm fine with that. I'll, I'll batch it out for the rest of my life. I'm good. And all throughout the early years of ministry, I was excited for that. And I was really passive with dating, you know? I just didn't, I, I was fine not dating until the day I sat across from this tall blonde and I'm like, I don't want to be passive anymore. I'm about to get active. And I, I'll be honest, I was so close to like the fine line into creepy, I think, because I asked her out on our first two dates before we went on our first. 
Now, judge her more than me. She's the one that said yes, so I think she had the issue, not me, but I'm glad she did. And um, I quickly decided I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be active. And I'm sure that you have similar stories, don't you? Of times when you were really active and it paid off. You were proactive and it paid off. And do you know what often happens though? And I really do believe what I'm about to say. I think what often happens, many of us, you and me, we think we live active in full lives, but the reality is we really just passively move through life. I think a lot of us function that way, and here's why I think that, and you probably talk to these people, maybe you are these people. Um, I know I've even been that, and I'm, I'm young, but you, you get to a point where maybe you look back and you wish you would have done things differently. That's typically a good indication that maybe we were passive through some of our lives. Like maybe you wish you were more active in a relationship. Maybe you wish you were more active with your children. For those of you who have children about to leave the house, you're probably like, man, I wish I would have taken more advantage of that. I have friends saying that right now. Uh, Maybe you wish you were more active in your career. Maybe even your career choice. Like maybe you wish you would have been active and found something you were really passionate about. I don't know what it is for you, but I do know that there's people that sit in the seats that you're sitting in that maybe feel like they've missed out. Maybe you feel like you've passively moved through life and that you missed it. I want you to hear this, if that's you, you haven't, okay? There is still so much more, and we're gonna talk about something today that I hope inspires you. And then there's the opposite end of the spectrum, right? There's those of you who are very active. You're kind of a grab life by the horns type people. I find myself more in this camp about 99% of the time. But here's the problem with people like us, that oftentimes we're active in the wrong things, So you've got to constantly analyze if I'm being active in the right things. And when I can answer yes, life's a pretty sweet place to be. But when I answer no, there's some hard and painful pruning that typically happens in my life and yours when we're active in the wrong things because it takes our focus off of the main thing. And there's another area we do this. And you knew we had to go here because this is church and it's a sermon, We do this in our faith, too. We become very passive in our faith. And one of the main uh, proofs for this that I see as a pastor, and maybe you'll see after I say this, is our casual view of a main component of following Jesus, discipleship. Think about when we, and I'm the same way, even with wanting to work at a church, I look for these things. We look for certain things when we want to find a a church family. We look for good programming. If you're a parent, you probably want good stuff for your kids for good reasons, too. If you're single, maybe you are wanting like a singles ministry or a college ministry to maybe find someone someday that has similar values. Uh, Maybe you want a big church, Maybe you're looking for a small church. Maybe you're looking for a big church with a small church feel, groups focused, class focused. We look for a lot of things. Some of us, I'm one of these, like worship that is so loud I can feel the bass drum in my chest. And then some of us are like, you know, we just want to just casually sway. We look for those things in the places that we want to worship. And I'm not saying any of those are even wrong or bad, but why are they the leading question? Because if we're staying true to what followers of Jesus have done for centuries, we would ask, we would lead with this question. Can I invest in other people 
on their walk, we call it discipleship, with Jesus. And a follow-up question is, can I be invested in here on my walk as a follower of Jesus? That, that should lead the charge for the types of questions that we ask. Most of us find churches that focus on quality content, which is good to have, over life change, which is essential to have. So if you're just joining us today, I just want to say welcome. I want to say welcome, and I'm so glad that uh, Craig can, can step away, and I'm so glad that we get to meet, and I'm so glad that we have our online campus that's joining us right now. Uh, this is, it, it's good to be together, whether we're sitting really close or we're far apart. And if you're just joining us, we're in a series right now called Verses. And not verses like in a song, but verses like in a UFC fight. Because here's the reason. There are things that kind of battle it out with followers of Jesus and in our lives. There are things that compete with one another. And Luke, who we're journeying with all this year, if, if you're just coming in, we're taking the Gospel of Luke, and that's, that's going to make up our entire message series the whole year. And we're at a part in Luke, we're at a place where he takes all these instances where Jesus started, realize, like started helping his followers realize all these things that were competing and he helps them dismantle those and let the things that should win, win. And we're at one of them today that is very important to Jesus. They were all important, but this one, he almost, he almost has like an in-your-face type of approach with his followers, which would have made me uneasy. I don't know about you. Even some of his best friends were following him. And what he says today, they were a little bit taken back by with our story. That being said, there is something today in this message that churchgoers really, really need to hear. If you're not a church person or you're visiting, you don't really, like, you're just not a church person. Um, this really, like, these words don't really apply to you, but I think, I think you'll find them refreshing and maybe challenging. And maybe it'll spark some curiosity. But if you are a church person... Um, these words are specifically for you, especially those in, in leadership. Now, when I say leadership, I don't just mean a paid minister on a platform. I don't just mean anyone on our, on our volunteer strategy teams, all the people that are essential to make up what you see today happen. I don't just mean those people. I mean, leadership in your faith is just that. If we choose to share our faith with our children or a coworker or a place of employment, um, wh whatever we do, when we own parts of our faith, we're taking leadership in it which I think, I hope, would cast a broad net for this message today for most of us, that we take ownership and leadership of our faith. And the words today from Jesus are specifically for, for those people. So I want you to imagine the setting. You, picture yourself with this person that you have, you have watched be so tender-hearted, so compassionate, so uplifting, powerful. He does some things you never thought you'd ever see a person do. And you left everything to follow him. You hang on their every word. You support everything that they do. And imagine you're sitting with them just like a normal day in the midst of a large crowd like we are here, which was very common when Jesus was in, a, was in any place. There was typically always a crowd. And imagine you're sitting there with this person, with Jesus, and all of a sudden he says something to you that you haven't heard him say before. And he says something to you while the crowd is watching that snaps you to attention instantly because you did not expect it. That's what happened to the disciples on this day. 
They were just going along, listening to Jesus' teaching. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, when the crowd's there, Jesus goes from talking to the crowd and all of a sudden turns and talks to them. It's like, here's the best illustration for it, I think. Uh, In my house growing up, I'm the oldest, all right? And when my mom was, you know, yelling at the younger, lesser siblings, I would be back there going, yeah, that's right, that's right. And then all of a sudden, mom would turn to me. Yeah, that happened before, and she would be, you're not off the hook, Phil. That's kind of like this story. The disciples, I don't know if they were going, yeah, you guys better listen in the crowd or anything, but all of a sudden, Jesus turns and talks to them while everyone else is watching. It's kind of awkward. And if you're a follower of Jesus in, in one of his disciples, you've just sat through probably some lengthy teaching. It's common. You've heard a lot of teaching on the law and the prophets, which Jesus keeps alluding he's come to fulfill. In fact, if you're a disciple of Jesus in this moment, you have just witnessed, it was just weeks ago, this incredible uh, um, instance where Jesus sent you and 71 other people out and you saw and were able to do things you never thought were humanly capable. 72 people get sent out when they come back. The stories that you heard told were just incredible. So a few weeks has passed. And if you're honest as a disciple in this story, you've maybe grown a little more comfortable again. That's kind of old news, even though it was miraculous, because you just you were talking and seeing a lot of people. And maybe if you're honest, you've grown a little bit lazy. And then Jesus says the thing that you didn't expect that snaps you to attention. And if you're the naturally outspoken one, like Peter, you've got to know what he means. So you always ask the clarifying questions. One thing you've got to know about the early followers of Jesus, they were actually a lot more clueless than we think most of the time. Think about it. They were experiencing all this for the first time. Us, we know what happens. Them, they had no idea. And they spent so much time, picture this, with Jesus that they had no idea what it was going to cost to follow him when he was gone. Most of them didn't even think he was really leaving. They didn't. It's easy to grow complacent when there is someone who is leading as powerful and as smart as Jesus. It's really easy to grow complacent. And that's, if you're honest, on this day, that's you as a disciple. You've kind of zoned out. You've heard this stuff before. Jesus typically taught on the same things everywhere he went. Because when your whole message is to love God and love people, you're limited. Like, you don't really need to elaborate much more. So you've heard everything. But then suddenly his delivery changes. Suddenly he turns to you again while other people are watching and he says this, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door for him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. It's Luke 12. So a little bit about clothes back then. They, this was the pre-Under Armour and Reebok stage. So men wore kind of weird robe type things. And when you had to get active, you literally had to tie it up. I, scripture typically uses the word gird up your robe. It seems kind of inappropriate. But they did that to move. They had to make way for their state-of-the-art running sandals. But the reason that Jesus uses this illustration is because he's trying to make a point. What's his point? His point is simple. It's one, stay active. Stay ready. 
Be ready. He says, guys, gals, never, never for any reason grow passive. Apathetic should never be in your vocabulary, should never be able to classify your life. He says, stay active. Because Jesus is setting them up for the time when he leaves. We know this. They didn't. He told them, but they didn't believe it. He was going to leave. He was going to leave. He was going to be tortured, crucified. And then three days later, he would rise. It's the event that our whole faith, even today, hinges upon. And then he told them, I'm going to be with you for a little while longer. Then I'm going to leave for real this time. Not, I won't die. I'll actually go back where I came from, into heaven to be with the Father. They had no clue really what it, what, what it meant at that point, but they, they were soon to find out. And Jesus knew this about his followers. He knew that they would be so tempted, just like they were in this story, to kind of take it easy, to feel like they've done all that they should do. They walked with Jesus. And I think he knew this about you and I. I think he knows this about humanity. That he knows when things are going well, when things are comfortable, we have a temptation to grow very passive in our faith. We will wear the label proudly anywhere. We'll even use the label to push our own opinion. But the active part sometimes isn't there. It's active readiness versus passive apathy. And some of us, a lot of us, I think, fall on the passive apathy uh, too often. I once read a quote, and uh, I, I want to share it with you because I, I, think it, I think it's a great quote. It's one that I live by. It's successful people do all the time what unsuccessful people do occasionally. It's pretty good, right? I didn't create it, but it's pretty good. I, I like that quote, but I think it applies to our faith. Active disciples do all the time what passive disciples do occasionally, and I would even add or used to do. What is it that active disciples do? It's simple in theory. It's called discipleship. Active disciples find other people that they can invest in on their walk with Jesus. And they equip other people to go out and do the same thing with others. It's typically not in a large group. It's typically a very small group of people. Every follower of Jesus who says, I want to take leadership in my faith, has that job to go and to share and to build someone else up. Whether it's our children, whether it's uh, niece, nephew, kids at school, people our age, people even older than us, that is our job. You see, the end of time is going to come. It will. More on that in the coming weeks, but the end of time is going to come. Rather than waste time trying to know when and where and all that that is going to happen, we are to spend our time, in the meantime, doing the one thing we're supposed to do, and that is to share our faith with other people. And I don't mean share and then we're done. I mean, share is not even a good word, to walk with people through life sharing our faith, sharing the love that we have for Jesus and for other people. That's what we do know. It is a job that requires every follower of Jesus, every single one, no exemptions, to be active versus passive. And it is one that Jesus called every follower then and now 
and in the future to do. So I want you to picture yourself again in this moment with Jesus, and he's just said this. Um, If if you're the naturally outspoken one, I personally think I would be that way. (laughs) Some of you probably are too. You would want to ask. You'd like, wait a minute, Jesus. What do you mean? What do you mean? Surely you're not talking about me. I kind of got it together. Personally, I pull more weight than those guys, so I think I'm I think I'm good, but you ask. Here's an illustration for you. If your boss gives you a promotion at work, what do you expect? More money, hopefully. I mean, come on. If not, keep it, right? But you also expect more responsibility. You would never expect your boss or for someone to come up to you and say, hey, I really want to give you a raise. I'd love to double your salary or double your hourly rate, but I want you just to even do less than you do now. Just take it easy. It's fine. As ridiculous as that sounds, that's kind of what we do with our faith sometimes. Because anyone who answers the call to lead in our faith, to share it with even one person, we answer that call of leadership. The stakes have never been higher. The call has never been higher. We are called to lead. And when we answer that, we have a responsibility because nobody enters leadership, at least I hope not, expecting it not to require something of you. And when you answer the call of leadership in your walk with Jesus, what Jesus says next applies to you. Now, a disclaimer, please hang with me till the end because what Jesus says is it's pretty intense. But this is what he says to those who say, I wanna lead in my faith. He says this, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. That's the good part, right? But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants to eat and get drunk, The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he does not know and will cut him to pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That's not in your precious moments Bible. And the servant who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. Jesus said that. What he just said, um, there's a reason we don't put that on all the job descriptions here at LCC. We'd go to jail. And what he illustrates bosses would go to prison for today. But his point, rather dramatically, is is to tell us, to tell everyone who says, I want to lead in my faith, you cannot ever grow passive. You must stay active because the time is short and the mission too great because there are people at stake and you are to stay active. You will never, ever, ever grow passive in your leadership. And I have got to tell you, in a moment of transparency, I am, I am a little bit embarrassed at myself. Guys, there have been times in, in my years of ministry where I can honestly say I have done something because it was on my job description rather than for the people that my position was even for, rather than for the people who were at stake. And I'm embarrassed to say that because I allowed myself to get so passive 
that the label of minister was just that, a job instead of a calling. Because all of us minister to people. And that's the kind of apathetic attitude that Jesus is calling out, what I've done. And that snaps me to attention as well. And I hope it does you. Now, I don't want this talk to let you, to discourage you from ever joining a strategy team or leading in any capacity at this church or if you're watching from a different church there. But I want you to understand the weight of leadership and the gravity of leadership. It is not something to be taken lightly. And all of us are leaders if we have at any moment tried to help somebody else understand what Jesus came to do. We are leading in our faith. Every single one of us who have done that. Now in this little talk with the disciples, there's still a crowd present. We can't forget about them. Jesus sure didn't forget about them. Just imagine how awkward it is when Jesus is talking to you like I am now. Then all of a sudden he turns and talks to this smaller group of people. And you're sitting there like, man, he's kind of like, like letting them have it. And then he turns back to you because he's not done yet. He turns back to you and he says some things. Has that ever happened to you before? When you're a part, not a part of a conversation and all of a sudden the person talking kind of ropes you into the conversation that you really didn't want to be a part of, that's what happens here. The, the crowd is full of religious people. There were not probably any, but very, very few if there were people who didn't follow Yahweh, didn't follow God. They were full of religious people, people of the nation of Israel, religious leaders, uh, bystanders that are kind of curious about what Jesus had to say, full of those people. And here's the reality, and we have to say it. Here's the reality of where a lot of us are right now. Because of our current culture, so divided, a lot of us, you and me included, are in the crowd. We are. How do you know if you're in the crowd We are in the crowd when the things that are on our feed, on any media, the email, the text, the phone call, the way we treat people, sounds more like a side than it does the love of Jesus. Because we want confirmation, bias, we want our opinion, our voice to be heard instead of the voice of Jesus. That is how we know that we're in the crowd. And I'm there as well. There are many times when I'm a part of the crowd. And I have to tell you, um, it, is, it is so awkward. Jesus, he, he does these awkward things to me. <laughs> and, and I hate when he does it at the time, but then I'm thankful later. But when I am part of the crowd, Jesus puts a book in my hands or people in my path or a song on Apple Music, something that snaps me to attention, that makes me realize that I'm being passive. And oftentimes I miss it. And he has to get louder and louder and louder. That's where a lot of us are, I think, right now in our, in, in our nation, in, in church. We are very passive in the crowd. But I don't want you to hear that as a shame on us. I want you to hear that as a potential to move forward. Because we can and we must move forward. The only things that should leave our mouths is what Jesus has given us to say. And the issues that many of us get involved in are not what Jesus has given us to say. He's given us love. 
He's given us acceptance. He's given us the ability to love our enemies and the command to love our enemies. So those in the crowd, we're going to cover a lot of what Jesus says to them next week, the very next sermon, because it's still part of the same story. But one thing you've got to know about what Jesus says to those in the crowd, it's not, he doesn't want people to come and just listen. And people will listen to a great leader like Jesus. He doesn't want people to listen. He is, he's not even talking to those people who don't believe. If someone happened to stumble upon the crowd and they don't believe, they don't care to believe, he's not even talking to them. So if that's you here today, he's not even talking to you. Who he's talking to are those people that say they follow Yahweh, say they follow God, say they follow Jesus, but they do nothing with what they hear. They do nothing with what they're taught. That's who he's talking about. And next week, we go even further with how to move from those who are just interested in Jesus to those who are invested in Jesus. Because the truth is, and I think you would agree with this, that this looks like a lot of modern churchgoers um, today. Following Jesus, though, is not meant to be easy. And, and if, you're on the, if you're on the edge, just wondering if maybe you really want to or not, uh, I want to just tell you that if you choose to follow Jesus, it is an all-in type of decision, yes, but it is a very active decision. It will take you on the biggest, most joy-filled journey of your life, but also the hardest journey of your life. And that's an invitation to come and be a part of something way bigger than just what you see and what you understand. And if you do follow Jesus currently, remember that. We are part of something much bigger, you guys. Much, much bigger. Much bigger than any sort of modern day conflict. We are part of a story that is written into eternity. And you and I, in a dark, dark place, get to be light. There is no room for negativity when people are at stake. No room. So, what I have noticed, and I'm going to tell you this from my perspective in my own life, I have noticed that, Philip, I am okay with Jesus healing, but I'm not so okay with his leading. And I think a lot of us fall into that. We want his grace, we want his healing in our lives, but not his leading of our lives. And he calls for us to have the leading of our lives, for him to have the lead. It's a submission thing. And he's calling us to actively submit to him. So how do we do that? How do we move from passive? Because all of us get there eventually. I mean, let's be honest, all of us do. How do we move from passive to active? I want to give you just one thing to do this week, just one. And it'll start the journey for you. I want you to just ask a question. Where am I now? Determine where you are now. And listen to me. When you determine where you are, if you're on the passive side, I do not want you to hear the negative voices. I do not want you to hear that God is ashamed of you, that he's angry at you, that he's upset with you. No. Know that he's opening a door to what could be because he's got so much more in store with you. You have no idea. You have literally no idea what he has in store for you and for your life and how your life can be leveraged for the good of other people. So start where you are. Find out where you are. And then ask God why you're passive. He will tell you. And be open to what he says. Because oftentimes we're passive in things that really don't mean anything as far as eternity goes. 
Maybe it's a limiting belief that you have. Maybe it's a mistake from the past. Maybe it's the polarizing views in our culture. Whatever it is, write it down and give it back. Pray this week that God would show you those things. We have to be ready. We have to be active. You guys, there is no time to be passive. We are an active people. It's activity. It's not passivity. And we've got to get ready to do that. And the cool thing is, the really cool thing, I love this. When we're here, this isn't like the, this isn't the end. Church isn't the end. When we're here, I view it as the equipping. I'm getting the tools. I'm being taught. Taught to do what? To go. To go and do. One thing that I am super thankful for the last six months, even though it's been really hard, is that a lot of God's people have suddenly remembered that a church is not a place. It's you. It's every single one of you that says, I believe and I follow. You are the church. A building is nice as it can be, as small as it can be, maybe even as not nice as it can be. It's just a place. And we live in a time where I really believe we're on the verge of something absolutely incredible as far as God's people go. If we understand, we've got to get active. I really believe that in the midst of so much darkness, of so much disunity, that the people who are called by the Savior of the world to be a unifying people can rise up and unify our world. And every single one of you that calls yourself a follower of Jesus is a part of that puzzle. And that should excite you. I hope it excites you. And I hope that you find exactly your unique part of this great and grand and eternal story. This week, determine where you're at. Next week, we're going to go even further in this story. Next week, we're going to find out if we're just merely interested or if we're really invested in how to move from just interested to invested in God's kingdom. Because his kingdom is open to all. And we have a place, let's remember other people do as well. Even other people who are different. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your boldness. I, I thank you, God, that your message isn't easy. I don't ever say that when it's hard, but afterwards I do thank you that it's not easy. Um, that that your, your, your yoke is easy, your burden is, is light, but God, it does carry a weight with it because it goes countercultural to everything that we believe, to everything that our culture stands for. God, it, it exudes love, and I thank you that you were bold enough with the people that loved you most while you were here on earth walking, that you were bold enough to, to tell them to get into the game. Thankfully, you told me to get back into the game. God, I pray that if there are people here who have grown passive in their faith, my, my main prayer for them, God, is that they would not feel shame for that, that they would not feel um, like they're too far removed, but that they would view it as an opportunity and that they would seize it to grow. God, I pray for those who are here that um, we are very active in our, in our lives. Help us to be active in the right things, the things that um, don't air an opinion, but rather air the love that you have for us and for humanity. Let us be a people of unity. Let us never move to passivity, but only to activity. And we thank you, God, for that. And it's in your name we pray.
Amen.